Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. This is Season 8, Episode 15, Franchise Episode Number 201. That's 201. Big thanks to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. I want to mention they've got a new song out uh, right now. On uh, You can find them on YouTube and also uh, Spotify. Make sure you check them out there as well. If uh, if you're a Spotify person, uh, Smoke and Mirrors. It's a pretty cool new song, so check it out if you are interested, if you've uh, become a fan of the Wild and Free uh, because of our show. So hopefully you have, because I think they do a great job. Also want to mention at the top, Tom Calhoun, PAGuyTom.com. Uh, Tom is great, does a lot of great work for voiceovers and uh, books on tape, so make sure you uh, check him out at paguidetom.com uh, to see all that he offers. And, of course, check out letsgoblues.com and go to the shop and consider buying yourself a shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds will go right back into the show. So thank you for those of you who uh, have checked out some of those sweet shirts we've got up there and bought some over the summer. We've had a couple people, so we... Uh, we love that. Again, like I said, these proceeds go back into the show, so you're helping us out when you do that. And if you're wanting to help us out, but you're like, you know what, I don't really want to spend money, you know what you can do? You can go on to uh, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts and subscribe to us if you haven't done that yet. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there, so do it wherever you get them. Uh, you can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com, and if you are on Apple Podcasts, Go ahead and give us a five-star rating and leave a review. That will help others find the show. So we appreciate those of you who've already done that. We've got a ton of reviews on there, and it's it's great. And I really appreciate it, everybody. And it'd be nice if we can get a couple more this summer. Well, this is typically where you would hear me uh, cue up the music and say, Well, you guys ready to keep the party going? But you're not hearing the music right now. So you're like, well, what's he doing? Uh, we're going to have that later in the show. You'll see why. Uh, as I introduce my guest here, but uh, yeah, you will you will find out why we're gonna do that later in the show. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, so don't worry, it's still here. It's just uh, there's a reason, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and tease that. So that way, you make sure you listen to our guest Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey, longtime friend of the show, and as I mentioned, every time he's on, uh, he is a, a good friend of the guys over at the Blues Hockey Podcast, Jason Martin and Chris Frank. Two guys uh, who are friends of our show as well. At least I think we're friends. We're friends, right, guys? 
but yeah, we uh, we we talk uh, Islanders and Blues history, which it does go back pretty far. Kind of surprising. Something he uh, he found, something he knew about uh, that we talked about at the beginning was was kind of interesting about uh, a year that the Blues almost won the President's Trophy uh, way before, not way before, but a little before I was born in the eighties. Um, yeah, so, uh, we talk about that. We talk about a lot more. And then, uh, we also talk about how Dominic is actually from St. Louis. And so he is a blues fan. So we talk about, um, you know, the, the blues, uh, uh winning the Stanley cup and, you know, the, the, so it's a little bit of a different interview for those of you who are, who've, uh, tuned in to every one of these, or even just a couple of these. Uh, this is a fun one because like I said, this guy's also a, Blues fans, so we talk kind of kind of blues in general as well. So you get Islanders talk, you get blues talk, you get it all in this interview. So enjoy my discussion with Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey. This is Let's Go Blues Radio behind enemy lines. Today we are talking New York Islanders with Dominic from Lighthouse Hockey. Uh, before we get into Dominic, though, I do want to list off a couple important stats of the Blues facing the Islanders over time. Uh, the uh, Blues have a 115 games played against the Islanders. They have a 41-49-20-5 record. I'm sure a big portion of that was probably a lot of losses in the 80s for the Blues. Uh, first meeting for the Blues uh, and the Islanders was on December 12th, 1972. That was in New York on the island, and that was a 4-4 tie. Uh, there is a, a, a pretty historic old game we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. But before we get into that, I do want to introduce Dominic, friend of the show, been on before. Uh, Dominic, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, of course. Now, uh, again, as I've uh, uh, introduced you on the show before, you are friends with uh, Mr. Jason Martin and Mr. Chris Frank of the Blues Hockey Podcast. And I have to ask you again, why? Uh, that's a good question. It's a uh... <laughs> Our shared misfortune, I guess. Is That's right. Yes. Say it. Yeah, the, the both of us have really got to rethink our friends here. Right. <laughs> um, so, Dominic, you're with uh, Lighthouse Hockey, but you are actually a St. Louis resident. Uh, how uh, long have you lived in St. Louis? Uh, all my life. So this is the today's topic sort of in my wheelhouse because uh, uh, I think I've, I've mentioned before I became an Islanders fan because my dad was a a blues fan from the, their founding and was a big Al Arbor fan too. So as I came along, uh, Arbor had been let go by the blues and was, uh, leading the Islanders toward their dynasty. So as soon as I became aware of hockey, uh, I was kind of following both teams, uh, at his direction. And so it's all gone from there. And, And usually they've not had much to do with each other in terms of, you know, competing for the same spoils. Right. So I have to ask, uh, just because you are a St. Louis guy, and obviously this is a St. Louis-centric podcast, uh, what area of St. Louis did you grow up in? Uh, Maplewood. Maplewood. Okay, you still there? Yeah, actually, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, toasted ravioli, yay or nay? Eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. It. Yeah, it's like Emos. It's fine. It's a good snack. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I would say about Ebos. Don't go there for dinner. Go there for a snack. Right. You'll yeah. enjoy it more. 
yeah, people get very upset about it, uh, defending one way or another. I'm like, it's great uh, drinking food and other stuff. It's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's good to go, uh, you know, before Blues game, go get yourself some Emos yeah. and, and eat up so that way you're not spending $50 at the game on food. Right. <laughs> uh, so, it, again, uh, the, there was a one big game, and it's it's funny, you actually brought this one up, and uh, you you know your stuff pretty well. Obviously, we've had you on the show before, and uh, just reading your stuff over at Lighthouse Hockey, uh, just uh, seems like you you really kind of know a lot of the history between these two teams. As you said, your dad uh, got you involved at a young age with both these uh, franchises. Uh, but uh, March 24th, 1981, this was a big day in uh, in Islanders history, Blues history. And you might say, you know, that's that's odd. But um, these two teams were actually fighting for the President's Trophy at the time. They were both uh, two of the better teams in the league. Uh, the Islanders, obviously, as I said it before, 1980s, uh, one of the best dynasties in all of sports at that time. But uh, on 19, in 1981, they came to St. Louis with the first place overall on the line in the final two weeks of the season. The Islanders were down 3-1, to one, come back to win, score the next four goals, take over first place, don't look back, end up was winning the Stanley Cup that year. And uh, for the Blues... That was the closest they came to the President's Trophy until 1991, when they were uh, pretty close. And then, of course, in 2000, their one and only President's Trophy win. But, uh, you know, you look back at the, those two teams, 1981, obviously, as I said, that's the that was an Islanders dynasty team. So you've got plenty of all-stars there. But that Blues roster, uh, you got uh, Bernie Federko, Jorgen Pedersen. I mean, plenty of, of names uh, there on that roster. That's a pretty star-studded affair between those two teams late in the season. Yeah, and it seemed, it's funny. Um, like, you know, there's a story when uh, Al Arbor was considering taking the Islanders' coaching job, and he said uh, that Scotty Bowman, who, of course, was his coach and mentor with the Blues originally, uh, he said, you know, don't don't take that job. You take that job, you'll be losing for 10 years. And uh, – he wasn't um, in 10 years down the line, he was in the middle of a Stanley cup run, but it, it's funny during that same span of time, the blues were finally putting pieces together uh, and they had the talent, like you said, um, red Berenson coaching them. Um, and it, you know, I guess I think some of the players have alluded to it this, or some of the, the alumni have alluded to it this spring after the Stanley cup win of where things were going at the time until uh you know, that the ownership changed yet again and Purina kind of bailed on the team. But but that was a that was a dangerous team. And I, I've talked with Islanders fans who actually remember that season because sometimes we'll talk about uh you know the the two teams. Um they were the Islanders were still they just had one cup at the time uh going into that game and the blues were a force um who were you know looking like a, a threat. Um, it, but of course didn't work out the Islanders. I think after they won that game, they took first place back over and then held it for the final two weeks. Um, and little did people know at the time, but that was as high as the blues would get for, for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, again, you look at, that's kind of the start of a lot of those, uh, those younger teams. I mean, Bernie Federko, he was only 24 at the time, Jorgen Pedersen, 24, Brian Sutter, 24. So that was the kind of start of, of that, uh, that, that, that blues, di- I don't want to say dynasty, obviously they didn't win any cups, but just, uh, some great offense years from there. And, uh, you know, you also had guys like Larry Patey, who was 
quick on his feet. Mike Crom being a guy that uh, has scored some big goals in his career. But uh, Mike Liut and goal. I mean, there's there's just names galore all over that roster. But then again, um, just ran into a good Islanders team. The Islanders finished that year with 110 points, uh, first in the NHL, and the Blues in second with 107 points. But uh, yeah, you you mentioned it. That was the second Stanley Cup win there for the Islanders. Uh, that was just uh, shortly after they came in the league in the early 70s, uh, 1972, I believe, was their first year. Uh, so it talk about those dynasty teams. I mean, I, I don't know how much of those you saw um, with you living here. And, and um, you know, obviously you're a young man. I'm not going to say anything about your age. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, obviously you, you, you saw some pretty dynamic players. I mean, you mentioned Al Arbor as the head coach, but... Um, you know, you got guys like Mike Bossy and guys like that, just barnstorming the league. Uh, what, what was what was that that Islanders team like to watch? So they were, I mean, and it's, um, you know, one guy we didn't mention in the Blues at the time, Wayne Babich, who I think that was his, his 54 goal year before, you know, he had injuries. But you, when you compare the two in retrospect, you see how um, just they, how loaded the Islanders were at every position. Um and I mean, they had big game goaltending with with Billy Smith, who was also intimidating back there uh, with his stick. Um, Denny Potvin, the Blues had no comparison player. I mean, which is you know uh, there have been very few defensemen in, in the history that were comparable to him, um, especially for how miles ahead of the rest of the league he was at the time. Um, Trottier was one of these quietly dominant two-way center so i mean they were he he racked up a lot of points but other centers were maybe a little flashier you know gretzky got of course more glory and 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 credit at the time but at at the time the oilers could not get past the islanders in part because trottier played from end to end um and you know there was one guy so i i basically remember the final two years of the dynasty and then uh their fifth cup uh, final when they finally lost to the Oilers. Um, but, you know, my dad, of course, who was a, a Blues fan, and we would watch the the games on USA Network time, playoff games with the Irish. But how Wayne Merrick, who was a former Blue, um, was really important as a like kind of third, fourth line center for the Islanders at the time. Um, also not flashy, but he would help handle the assignments uh, and, and free up um, opportunities for the other you know for the top six so they were just deep and once they they finally got over the hump in 1980 after a couple of years of of near misses or, or crushing disappointments um, they just went on a run that really only uh, years of of uh, playoff long playoff runs and Canada Cup tournaments and and lack of nutrition or fitness at that time <laughs> um, was the only thing that finally you know drew them down because it, it's interesting I mean, now we talk about how players, you know, peak before they're 30 or 31, but the way nutrition is, they can make themselves last longer. But it's funny to look at the number of players back then who were retiring in their early 30s because, they, you know, they ran out of steam and, and probably didn't know how to keep their bodies going. But um, for the time, I mean, that was my baptism into NHL hockey. Uh, I didn't realize not to expect the Islanders to appear in the finals every year. I know that sounds funny after the 30 plus years that followed, but at the time I just thought that's 
what would happen. These here, my blue teams uh, <laughs> are are showing up. Um, but yeah, they they were just they were deep. I, I, that's I think and, and well coached, of course, with Al Arbor. I mean, I know like Roger Nielsen gets a lot of credit for pioneering video, um, but Arbor was a big uh, user of video scouting at the time too. So they knew how to you know handle teams that were coming up, and they knew how to adjust to. Uh, what other teams are trying to do to them. Man, you really did have it easy there in the early 80s. Yeah. You uh, becoming a Blues and an Islanders fan, you're probably like, man, that life doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously, the, the you know, you mentioned it, that, uh, you know, there's not a ton of history here between the, the two teams, uh, you know, didn't really uh, have to battle each other too much, even though they're both in the Western Conference at that time. But uh, really, the next big thing that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, something that uh, was a trade. And it's one of the few trades. Again, I looked up, you know, the history of these two teams. I'm sure you did as well. Trying to find like, okay, Blues Islanders, what is there to to look at? Not a lot of trades. I was kind of surprised Mm -hmm. by that. Probably the biggest one uh, happened on uh, March 11th, 2003. And uh, bring this one up for for a special reason, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Blues traded Justin Papineau in a 2003 second round pick to the Islanders for the much loved St. Louis Blues goaltender Chris Osgood and a 2003 third round pick. Now, first reason I bring up this trade is because Kurt says it on the show all the time, and and I agree with him. One of the greatest, most hilarious moments of Let's Go Blues dot com history is. When that trade happened, you jumped on the Blues forum on, on that site and on, uh, I guess at the time it was PostNet for STL oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. And there was thread after thread after thread of, no, Osgood, no, and just <laughs> everyone upset that the Blues had gotten the Red Wings goalie, Chris Osgood. So that is just, there's a screenshot floating around out there of that. And it's, that's great. I, I need to find it and, and try and post it with this episode because my God, it's phenomenal. So I have to ask you, like uh, it, looking at this trade, we can get into the stats a little bit if we want, but um, obviously the Islanders got Osgood. They were a playoff team at the time, kind of, uh, you know, not really a, a perennial 1980 team, but they were, a you know, they were a good team making the playoffs and, Osgood was kind of brought in to be their starting goalie at the time. They make that trade to the Blues. Um, what was what was uh, the legacy of Osgood like there? When he was brought there, did people think, okay, maybe this will get us back into the promised land, or was he just kind of a stopgap until a guy like DiPietro stepped in? Yeah, no, he was huge, and and that's why um, he, he did what he was supposed to do for the Islanders, and I was happy when the Blues got him too um, for the same reason because – so, I mean, to put a little context on when Oscar joined the, well, I, there's a connection here too, because remember how close the Blues were to acquiring, uh, I almost said Halak, uh, Dominic Hasek. Um, yes. But then, you know, he, at least the word was he blocked that because he wanted to go to Detroit. Well, yep. that's what helped bump Osgood out of Detroit. And he was claimed on waivers by the Islanders that year where uh, Charles Wong had bought the team. And again, uh, Wong, who's now the, the late Charles Wong, um, you know, was seen as a laughing stock in some ways because of how he managed the team and, and some of his ideas. But he also was a godsend because he saved the Islanders. He actually put money into the team rather than previous owners who were just trying to scrape development money out of it. Um, 
and he allowed them to to boost their payroll. So that was the year that they acquired Michael Pekka. Uh, they acquired Alexei Yashin, which again, that was controversial for <laughs> who he was and for the, what they gave up. But at least for the short term, that was a huge one-two uh, addition at center. And then, so you're, you're looking at that. Um, so where's your weakness? They, they had like a, a pretty good top four there with like Adrian O'Coin, Roman Hammerlick, Kenny Janssen. So they had the pieces and then, um, Lo and behold, in the I think it was it must have been the, still the waiver draft available there, or else just that he was exposed on waivers. But the Islanders were able to get Osgood, and and that was huge to them finally making the playoffs after. Um, I think they they had like a eleven oh one and one run uh, to start that season, and that was um, you know the nine eleven season too. So is an emotional turnaround, um, but just everything came together, and so they had to. Uh, good um years where they were back in irrelevance um and and a, a memorable playoff series with the maple leafs in osgood's first year so he, he did what he needed to do for the islanders and you know i i was happy uh, that the blues got him because i was looking that up today that was the year when they had like seven goalies like uh Brathwaite yes. and reinhard divas and, yep. <laughs> and brasso even coming back from yeah the top dead. top brasso i want to say cody rikowski was yeah. one of those goalies as well yeah so <laughs> i mean it was for me it, it following both teams there are these moments where like i feel like i'm in parallel universes or where i see a fan base reaction following a, a kind of same script i've seen before um, but yeah, just for that. And I was like, all right, this is, thank you for your time with the Islanders. Now, please uh, do a similar thing for the blues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the big reason I bring this up for the blues is, is because, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this and it's kind of, this has been something that's come up a couple times here on uh, the behind enemy line series. Uh, that 2003 team, you talk to blues players, Keith Kachuk, Doug Wade, yeah. and, and they say that was the team that they thought was going to win the cup. Yeah. Um, I again, I've said this before. I thought 2001 was a better team, but I see yeah. there what they mean the path that they had. Detroit was knocked out, Colorado was knocked out, right? And they had a chance to go and, and they would have played against maybe an Anaheim or a Minnesota in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, yeah. in the uh, Western Conference final. And, and so that was the team that they thought that this is going to be the, the team that's going to do it for us. And, and, uh, you know, Chris Osgood, yeah, maybe he's not, you know, the, uh, the, well, the Jordan Bennington, I guess you could say, or the Billy or the Billy Smith, but you know, he's a guy that's, that's proven he can do it. He's gotten teams there before he's good enough to do it. And it's just a shame. And, and again, speaking to you as, as also a blues fan, um, they had a three, one series lead there on Vancouver, yeah. ended up losing that one in seven games An absolute heartbreaker. That was when, uh, the, uh, the, the, I think it was the flu bug right. and went through the locker room and knocked out a bunch of the players and, uh, yeah, just a, just a heartbreaking loss for the blues, but someone for you, as you said, rooting on the Islanders, seeing Osgood go to the blues saying, okay, here we go. Still can root this guy on seeing them lose. I'm sure that was heartbreaking for you. Oh yeah. And I mean, so with my fan history, basically from where I started, it was like, I'm, you know, paying paying karma or penance or or just <laughs> never knew knowing how good i had in the beginning so that, that that series and that loss was was the kind of thing that made you think you know this is why the blues are never going to do it because yep some crap like this always happens you know it was like uh 
it, 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 the blues would have their something like that, the Roman Turical or the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, just, uh, yeah, there was always something that made it seem, um, like the, the stars would not align for them. And <laughs> little did we know it would take another 20 years basically. Yeah. But. No. And then it's, it's funny because again, when I, when I decided that I wanted to do this series, I, I came up with this idea in December of 2018 yeah. <laughs> and I said, Oh, this way I'll have some a show every week. Right. And blues are going to be out in April. So it's fine. And of course, when I plan to have 30 summer shows is when they decide to win the Stanley cup, but not complaining. Yeah, I'm, small I'm, price I'm, to pay. Yeah, I was going to say it's a, it's a small price I've had to pay. I've had to do two yeah. shows a week and I'm more than okay with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, this was one of those teams where, uh, I agree with you. I remember that. I, I remember very well. Um, you know, that was the year that Barrett Jackman was having a pretty good year that year. Yeah. And then uh, he he met up with Todd Bertuzzi there in the, uh, <laughs> right. in the oh, God. And that kind of changed his career path a little bit. So it was, uh, that was a rough year. And, uh, yeah, again, um, for you, seeing the Islanders going through what they went through after that, too, um, yeah. <laughs> rough years there in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, it's funny like that, how we were talking about 1981 earlier, that, that, that 2003 crash when they were so close, though, maybe it didn't look like it to the outside, but the blues were so close. And then, you know, soon afterward, the, the ownership collapse and fire sale and, and, uh, uh, the things that, you know, led to a rebuild and last place finish and all those, all those things. It's just, you, um, I, the Islanders have been nowhere near that close to contending since um, since their dynasty. Uh, the, their closest was like a '93 kind of Cinderella run. Um, but just to see how how fragile it is, it's um, and I I guess <laughs> I have the the bonus or the curse of watching it with two franchises for <laughs> several decades now, but. Um, you just never know when your next chance is going to come around or, or, or when, you know, ownership will change in a way that is, is heartbreaking and it's going to bother you for years. So, (laughs) yeah, well you, at least with you, I mean, you saw the blues draft, Eric Johnson turns out not to be the the guy they wanted, but, and I know that uh, things have changed since, but you did see the Islanders get John Tavares Mm -hmm. seem like things might turn around there. Obviously this last year we'll, we'll get to in a little bit, but, um, I'm sure that when you saw Tavares get drafted, you thought, okay, this is, this is the stepping stone this team needs. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was uh, that whole rebuild approach and everything, you know, at the time, like uh, I supported what Garth Snow was doing, which was basically realizing, okay, we can't attract free agents. Um, <laughs> I mean, their big free agent landing was Bill Guerin after he had been bought out by the stars. Um, it, it, yeah. And I'm getting, so it, Wait, that's right. Did he? Yeah, and then he went to the Blues first, but you know, basically, mm-hmm. so he was on the the discount bin. Um, and you know, the Islanders, their arena uncertainty has been permanent for forever. It's only now clearing up this summer, basically. But so uh, they always had questions surrounding them. Um, so getting Tavares and sort of being patient, and collecting prospects who, you know, who basically don't have a choice but to <laughs> report to the team that drafted them. Um, I mean, I, I that, that at least raised some hopes, and that did bring um, lead to some good times with the Islanders. They won their first playoff series since 1993, and um, 
had a couple exciting teams uh, with Tavares and and then this year without him. Um, but it, yeah, it's it, you go through these rebuild cycles and you don't know um, whether they're going to pay off or t- to what degree. So, yeah. No, it was. Uh, I mean, it's funny, and I, again, this is something I've talked about with a couple different people here on the summer interview series. But um, you know, you think back to the to 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 that the time the Blues weren't very good. You know, to those six to 2010, 2011, before they started making the playoffs again. 2009, obviously, they made it, but didn't win a playoff game. But um, you know, you, you talk to teams, and and again, maybe you can relate better than anybody. Uh, with the Islanders, uh, just lack of success. That time frame really wasn't that long. I mean, you look at, yeah. you look back, and, and you remember it just every year, like, oh my God, are they ever going to be good again? But then you look at these other franchises. Toronto comes to mind uh, as a team that really struggled there after the lockout, and and really that time frame for the Blues to turn it around. You know, credit John Davidson, credit to. Uh, Larry Plo and, and and Doug Armstrong for getting a quick turnaround there, and uh, because yeah, you look at a lot of these other teams, they don't make that quick of a turnaround. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it's weird to think of the Blues as fortunate <laughs> in that yeah. way. But, but yeah, I mean that that was a, a pretty quick turnaround, and they made a lot of um, you know obviously good draft choices, but some smart short term moves too that that got that inched them back to. Uh, you know, within striking distance and, and where they were back in the playoffs relatively quickly and able yeah, to I, stay there. Yeah, it, it was, it's amazing. I mean, you, uh, again, you talk about that 09 team and I know again, they didn't win a game, but uh, just seeing them make the playoffs, that was, that made it exciting. That kind of brought hockey back into excitement for St. Louis. And then just a couple of years later, their perennial uh, playoff team again. And, and it's just, uh, you know, it, Again, I know it's. Um, I know a lot of teams can, can have have had a relatively quick turnaround as well, but um, it's not always the case. And and I, I I agree with you. I know it's weird to call the Blues fortunate when you look at their past, but um, really, I mean, it's it's something that that uh, uh, the Blues should be admired for for being able to do that quick turnaround, and then again to to kind of see that team completely cycled through. Uh, with you know Oshie and Bacchus and Berglund, and yeah. all of a sudden they're still relevant. They still have a good team. Obviously, just winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I want to uh, I want to talk to you about a, a game that you had actually brought up again. Uh, this was uh, January twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen. Now I know I'm going to mention this game, and people are going to say, "Okay, January twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen. Why is there an important right. game between the Blues and the Islanders?" But uh, it's funny because you mentioned it. And and you you called it the the Vanek uh, uh, no goal in overtime, and yeah. when I looked it up when I when I heard you when I read that I'm like, what, really? <laughs> and then I I watched the replay and I instantly remembered it. I'm a hundred percent on board with why you want to talk about this goal. And and again, I'll I'll try to share this when I post the episode. The video is still on YouTube. Uh, so basically. Uh, first of all, uh, that was a, a that was an exciting game, and I again, it's weird that I actually can remember this because TJ Oshie scored yeah. uh, in the final 27 seconds to tie the game up. So uh, game gets tied up. The game uh, is is a three three. They go into overtime, and Thomas Vanek apparently seems to score in overtime. Uh, 
Yaroslav Halak, no argument from him in the Blues crease. You can see Amar just put his head down and skate off. But the Blues stay on the bench because, wait a minute, what's this? There might be a, a distinct kicking motion. <laughs> so they call the goal back, and the Blues go on with uh, goals from Shattenkirk and Steen. They score in the shootout. But I want to talk about the the, the, the goal callback, and, and it's because this shows the inconsistency in the NHL making this call, and, and I agree with you 100%. Because I, I well, I haven't asked you, but I know that you feel the same way I do. This should have counted. This was a bad, bad no goal by the NHL. Basically, from what I saw, uh, again, I'll post the video for, for those to watch it. Vanek was in front of the net. The puck hits off his skate, goes in. To me, there's no kicking motion, but it also looked like Steen, Alexander Steen, kind of drove his leg right. into Vanek's to cause Vanek to touch the puck with his skate. And Halak was laid across the crease, ended up going under him. No goal called. What is the reaction in New York when that happens? <laughs> it was, you know, it, well, first of all, like, like you said, uh, there was the Oshi goal uh, to tie. I mean, the Islanders had no business being in position to win that game with how they played down the stretch. They they got lucky. The Blues hit several posts. Um but it's just it, it's one of those like moments as an NHL fan where you're just you know it's it's a face palm because you're like why why can they not get this right or even reasonably consistent because you just right. want to know what the standard is and follow that but we actually like a couple months later we put a post together comparing all kinds of goals and no goals that went in off skates to, to just show the absurdity of it but this one was. I mean, Vanek and Steen are jockeying for position. Vanek's skate is sliding around uh, Holak as they're just trying to to locate the rebound. And so his and, and Steen's feet are basically locked together. It, it goes off of, of Vanek's skate and dribbles over the line. It's not even like one of those strong redirects. It's just so insane. And so, I mean, the Islanders that year, they had made a, a questionable move for Vanek, who... Um, he was Vanek. He was dynamic. He was dynamic with uh, Tavares on the top line, but not uh, anything remotely defensively responsible. Um, people wondered why uh, Snow went all in. <laughs> who, who he's normally conservative, and he decides to to trade a uh, Molson for Vanek, who we couldn't even resign. So, any, I mean, there was kind of a. It was an important game, but not an important game because you knew the Islanders probably weren't going to go anywhere that season anyway. But it was just the, the just, you know, you're like, even in a season where you know your team isn't going to do well, you want to be able to enjoy the game based on understood rules or, or norms. And this was just another case of the NHL saying, ah, you got a big, you know, home OT win. Everybody's excited. So, no, we're just, this is one of the cases where we're going to somehow declare that this was a distinct er kicking motion than other goals that we've allowed, like even within that same week around right. the league. So it was just, you know, and so anyway, I, it, there aren't many Vanek highlights in Islanders fans memory, but if you bring up Vanek or, you know, an encounter with the blues, since that doesn't happen very often, that's one of the memories is like, ah, yeah. Another central office screw job. Oh man. Yeah. I, it's funny. We, uh, we talk on this show every now and then about the, uh, the, the poor officiating, the poor calls from Toronto. And um, I'm reminded of the, uh, and again, one you might remember, uh, Blues playing an afternoon game against the Red Wings uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, uh, Justin Abdelkader 
scored yeah. a, a goal with a broken stick. Yeah. And they even like, even the, the announcers were like, Oh yeah. You know what a, what a great job there by <laughs> Abdul Cater to keep getting right. a stick. No, it's a broken stick. How is that allowed? Right. He scored it overtime. So it's Next just thing you know, there's like a lot of hand pass in a playoff overtime or something. Oh, I hope that never happens. <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's, uh, it is just shocking to see it. We're going to talk to, uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche is the next episode after this one, and uh, we're going to talk about the um, the, uh, the 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 great offside from last year, uh, where it it to me clearly offside. That's what you have replay for, but they don't call the goal back. So yeah. it's oh, it's it's a prince. You're just making me upset now, uh, right. Dominic. Now I got to go cry somewhere. um so i want to talk to you about uh uh, recent meetings between these two teams so obviously 2019 we mentioned the you know obviously people know the st louis blues are stanley cup champions but the new york islanders first of all before we get into the meetings between these two teams really just the story of of the nhl at least for the regular season outside of maybe tampa bay and maybe the blues comeback was the islanders losing john Tavares. And then, you know, obviously changing the front office, changing the head coach, and all of a sudden they're a relevant team again, even though they lost a superstar in Tavares. I mean, for you, going into this year, I'm I'm guessing you didn't even pick them as a playoff team, but to see what they did with the talent they had, is that something you think they'll be able to maintain going forward? Uh, I doubt it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I didn't expect them to be a playoff team uh, last year. Um, But the the reasons that they were, I I did expect. I expected Barry Trotz to make a huge difference. Um, I was uh, reasonably confident that the goaltending gurus that that he takes with him wherever he goes would make a difference on their goaltending. I didn't expect that to be like almost league best goaltending with with uh, not just Thomas Grice rebounding but you know Robin Lehner founding uh finding his form um but it, yeah so they've you know that I'll do a parallel again they're kind of like the blues this off season and that they've mostly retained uh their key free agents um so you know you, you've got this situation where they're looking like they're going to return the same team and maybe promote um, a young player or two. Um, but, you know, they they let Leonard walk uh, in the offseason and they bet big on uh, Varlamov, which, you know, I didn't really like that move, but maybe that'll work out too. But I think um, last season was their best-case scenario. So to bet on a best case scenario two years in a row is not a bet I would make, but at the same time, you know, maybe they, they sustain a decent level of play, but then you're looking at like, okay, best case is a one or two round playoff team. So um, it's, there just aren't, they don't have a lot of players that I think who are ready to make big leaps forward, um, especially beyond what a few of them did last year. Like Brock Nelson was, is one player who um, excelled under trots, but I think he excelled to his ceiling basically. So um, yeah, great story last year. Um, But, you know, I'm a little skeptical of Lou Lamorello, even though he brought like culture and credibility and whatever to the team. Um, to me, the, the biggest change last year was Barry Trotz. So uh, now it's 
is Lou Amarillo going to do something to help them get beyond that? And so far, I, you know, I haven't seen it, at least not for this coming season. Is Matthew Barzal the, uh, is he going to be the, the next big player in New York or do you think, uh, yeah, uh, you think so? I think he's the real deal. I mean, I think, yeah, it, it, not that he'll make fans forget John Tavares, but, um, right. I think he, I, I think he has the potential and the skills to make, uh, you know, possibly an equal impact over time. Um, so yeah, he's, he's very exciting. He's the real deal. Um, Whereas when Tavares started, he really needed to improve his skating uh, to to be such an impact player. Barzell is obviously already there. He's he's just a phenomenal skater. And last year under Trotz, he he added a lot of the 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 two hundred foot uh, intelligence and responsibility to his game. So yeah, he's a keeper. While we're talking about current uh, New York Islanders players, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention Scott Mayfield, a yeah. uh, St. Louis boy. Um, what's uh, what what's he what's the what do people think of him in, in New York? Is he a, a good, solid top four defenseman, or is he more of a, a depth guy? Um, it, you know, before last year, probably would have thought a depth guy, a, five, a number five or six, but um, he has just continued to improve. Um, and, you know, when they drafted him, he was uh, he was over, he already had good size, and he said he tried to model his game after Chris Pronger and, so, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But um, he never pushed the offense, um, certainly the way Pronger ever did. But, like, just it, uh, one of the raps was that, you know, there's offensive potential that is not tapped and may never be tapped. And he's not really asked to do that, but his um, his his ability to use his size and range is outstanding, and his intelligence with the puck has just grown. So, yeah, he's a, he's a strong uh, – top four defenseman. I mean, definitely not a top pairing guy, but just, um, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, he's, um, been able to, to serve on, on the top pair when needed, but it, you know, he's not like an elite guy, but definitely, um, just a solid dependable more than just a depth guy. And that's probably not what people would have expected a couple of years ago, but he's really come into his own. Good. Yeah, I've always been a fan of his. And um, in NHL 19, he's one heck of a defenseman for me. So <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know you care. I know everybody cares. Yes. Um, so talking about these, uh, the, the, the two recent meetings, uh, as I said, Islanders had a really good year. They actually go 2-0 and on the Blues. Um, and and these these meetings were interesting. It's, it's funny you look back yeah. at, at the time frame and, again, doing this series i've talked to a lot of people okay well you saw the blues in october and december so obviously you had no idea what this team was capable of this the time frame for the islanders it was january 5th and january 15th and why that's notable is january 5th for those that don't remember it was a home game blues or uh, blues lost that one of the islanders four to three that was the game before jordan biddington's first start jake allen uh, it was his 14th consecutive start. Uh, that was right after Chad Johnson was let go, and uh, they, the Blues just kept rolling him out there. I guess they were not ready to let Bennington have his first NHL start, and uh, he had a rough night. Four goals on 14 shots. Um, looking back at that game, uh, I don't think there was one or two particularly bad goals on Jake. I just think that it was not a good showing overall by Jake. Yeah. And that was probably why I think uh, Baruby decided to go to Bennington the next game. 
But in in that game, again, let me ask your your opinion. Obviously, as a Blues fan as well, were you ready to see Jordan Bennington, or were you on the the side of, hey, this is the Blues starting goalie, keep rolling him out there, he'll figure it out. Oh no, I I was absolutely ready. Um, I mean, just uh, for context, going into the season when they made the O'Reilly trade, and magically were able to get rid of um, the baggage of, of, of Berglund and Sabotka at the same time. I was like, wow, they finally have the pieces to compete with the other teams in the central, you know, down the middle. I was like, the only thing I'm worried about now is the goaltending. Is, is Jake Allen going to be, you know, <laughs> his uh, versus Minnesota Allen, or is he going to be the, the sort of inconsistent guy? Um, so, and then of course, everything else that we know happened that fall um, raised lots of questions about everybody, but you know, I was seeing the signs that oh, okay, this this I think this team's kind of riding itself a little bit. Um, it, but then you would have another Allen uh, deflating game. Uh, just a so like a quick story. So that week, um, a friend of mine who we used to have season tickets together came back into town, and and you know we were like, well, we got to go to a game even though it's a lost season. Um, so we saw the Capitals game where they just destroyed the capitals you know mm-hmm. and we're talking throughout the game and i'm like yeah this is the team that you know i thought they might be able to be and now sometimes it's like they play this way against like the, in this case the defending cup champions but they could do that against other really good teams like i don't understand why it doesn't happen on a more regular basis well the <laughs> next game is that islanders meeting and i'm i'm actually playing uh outdoor pickup with friends um during the game but they have the game on the radio, like in between the benches, you know, so we're all hearing what's going on. And you can tell just by uh, Kerber's voice and, and the, the analysis are like, oh, the, the Blues are dominating this game. Like the Islanders are better than they expected to be this year, but the Blues are really controlling play for long stretches and, and they should be leading. But then there would be a Jake Allen moment. So uh, <laughs> you better believe, you know, and I'm, so everybody in the in our pickup game who knows that I'm a basically you know a hockey bigamist or whatever is looking at me with cross eyes. But like, yeah, then I go home and watch the highlights because I need to check on it for our site. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I'm so ready to just um, do whatever we can. You know, going into the season, I thought it would be Villa Huso might be the the, right. the miracle story to save the team. Um, but you know, turns out it was Bennington. But yeah, I was quite ready to see him and, and see what he could do. Yeah, that uh, that game in particular, I mean, obviously, you know, the, again, the Blues got rid of Chad Johnson and, and you thought, OK, you know, let's see what Bennington or Huso, one of these guys can do. Allen starts getting the starts and you kind of understand it. And, and I feel like in that stretch, because there was a, a win against the Rangers in there as well. I think that was right after New Year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the win against the Capitals and. And, and then, but there was a couple losses in there too, like the Pittsburgh game. They got blown oh, yeah. out by Pittsburgh. And, and it was just, you felt like they were on the cusp. And this is something we were talking about on the show at the time was you just, yeah, you, you keep waiting for them to just break out and just get out of the, okay, one good game, two bad games, one good yeah. game, two bad games. You just, you could feel it was coming. But I remember at that time, us saying, you feel like it's coming but it's just not going to, it's not going to come because it hasn't come yet. Why would it come now? Right. Well, lo and behold, after that Islanders game, you get the start from Biddington 
things start changing. And again, these two teams met again January 15th. Uh, this was Bennington's first loss. So he plays against the Islanders. Now, granted, this was an overtime loss, so not technically going in the loss column. Uh, Philpola scores that goal in overtime. And that's an interesting one because if uh, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to watch the replay of that or if you remember it, Vince Dunn tried to sneak off the ice. The uh, the Blues, uh, they, they lost the puck in, in their defensive zone. Islanders yeah. circle back to their zone. I don't remember yeah. who it was. I think it was your defenseman. And uh, <laughs> Vince yeah. Dunn tries to make a sneaky little change. And yeah. all of a sudden, he gets burned. Philpola comes in, scores on a two-on-one. And uh, game over. And again, Bennington's first overtime loss in the NHL. Uh, so that was... Uh, that was one a game for the ages, I'm sure. And again, this one was in New York. So uh, the Blues are starting their surge at that point. But uh, the Islanders come up big. So, uh, yeah, in- interesting game there for uh, the New York Islanders. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, that was a that was. Uh, yeah, I remember now Dunn coming off and Phil Pillow with that kind of sneaky um, inside the post shot. Um, and, you know, for me at that point. I was glad it seemed like the blues were finally like getting results. But, you know, like you said, during December, as you're like waiting, like, when's it going to come? When's it going to come? I finally thought like, okay, well, time's run out. Like even when it comes, it's, it's not going to matter because, you know, it'll be good in the sense that they'll have salvaged something from the season, but there's the the hole was too big and they weren't going to make their way back to the playoffs. So even with that game, um, usually when I'm watching a Blues Islanders thing, I'm, I'm like, well, whoever needs it more. And at that point, I'm like, eh, the Islanders need it more because they might be able to do something this year. But, you know, a three-point game uh, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got to ask you, uh, and obviously th- we're going to kind of change gears here a little bit. Um, Doug Waite, uh, former player for both teams, and and again, and this is another player that's come up a lot in this series, but um, finished his career on the island ends up coaching for a little bit. I want to ask you your thoughts because he was a name that was thrown around uh, when Mike Yale was let go. People are saying, well, what about Doug Waite? Uh, I know Craig Berube's the guy. We're all happy with Craig Berube. Nothing changing behind the bench for the Blues. But let me ask you, what are your thoughts on Doug Waite as a head coach? Well, I'm amazed uh, anybody would bring him up in a in a hopeful way, especially after Mike Yo, because, <laughs> um, I mean, Waite's strength, you know, we've seen it where the, the offensive stars in the league do not often make good coaches. Um, his strength was bring them up on offense. They they scored a ton of goals under him. Um, they also gave up a ton of goals, and they were just so loose defensively. I mean, Barry Trotz came in, and you know he knew in his first year he was like, no matter what our roster is, we can make some progress just by tightening up the defense. And so they went from allowing the most goals in the league to uh, allowing the fewest, uh, which has not happened since World War One uh, in the <laughs> NHL. Um, so I I loved Doug Wade as a player. I loved him as an interview because he was a great quote, including when he was a mm-hmm. coach. Um, as an assistant coach, he was fun because he was fiery uh, and you know he he was creative. Um, and you never know what kind of tutelage these guys go through, especially after they get fired or have to go back through the ringer on, you know, as an assistant or something like that. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, he did not have the, the defense, um, the defensive responsibility in place. And although Barry Trotz is like a legendary, you know, 
coach in the league for all the regular season wins he has racked up over the years. Um, it's kind of damning for weight for, for the, the contrast to be that sharp to go from one year to the next with basically the same personnel um, on defense, you know, but yeah. So like a lot of these guys learn, you know, or, or progress or they change. So maybe he'll be a candidate someday, but I, I wouldn't have thought of him for the blues at all after uh, seeing his Islanders tenure. So there's been a lot of players between these two teams. Uh, I, I dropped a little list there in our hangout chat if you want to take a look, but we've talked about them a little bit here. Um, to me, I, I mean, I just want to ask your personal opinion. Uh, Pierre Turgeon, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, I always call him one of the most underrated blues because yes. he played in an era with Pronger and McKinnis and Demetra and even Brett Hall that uh, kind of overshadows him. So mm-hmm. between these two teams, there's been a lot of great players. Doug Waite uh, uh, and Bill Guerin are two of my favorite players of all time as well. Yeah. Um, who's your of, of anyone you can think of that's played for both franchises? Who would you say is your favorite? Uh, Turgeon by far. For yeah, for, yeah. I mean, of the guys who have done both, he, he was. I loved him as an Islander and he, you know, he had one of those uh, like 130 point seasons or something in that, that early nineties stretch when the, there were the, you know, senators and lightning diluting the league and expansion goals of a plenty. Um, so, and he, he was a huge player during the Islanders 93 run to the semifinals. Um, and so I was so psyched. Uh, when the Blues got him, because I was like, "Yes, we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna get to watch this guy again and uh, <laughs> up close." And and you know, he delivered. He got a bad rap because he was quiet and maybe he wasn't, um, you know, the grittiest player. But he also he used his strength and his skills, and he was tough in the corners and down low behind the net. So, um, you know, I, he did what they they needed him to do. I I actually it's. Now that you mentioned uh, Doug Wade, too, I remember that that year where they they let Turgeon walk for nothing, mm-hmm. so that they could you know make a trade and for Wade's rights and sign him. And and I was just thinking, God, you're against these teams in the West that are deep down the middle. Why are you, even if you're saying Wade is an overall upgrade over Turgeon, like why are you swapping out rather than trying to go deep down the middle? Like why wouldn't you try to find agree to terms with Turgeon? and acquire weight so that you're not, you know, coming up short against Detroit or Colorado uh, every year. But no, I, I love Terjan. I, um, and I, yeah, he was, he was always a favorite. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if you saw the, was the winter classic alumni game a few yeah, years was there. back <laughs> where, where he and Stashney looked like the only two players who were, you know, skated or worked out or done anything since they retired they were he looked like he could still play oh my gosh yeah (laughs) he looked phenomenal um it's funny you mentioned that the 2000 2001 when that happened i you sound like me in 2001 i said the exact same thing because not only did they let terjan walk but in that trade they traded marty reasoner and yoke hesht who both could play center and both were pretty solid for the blues so you got rid of three centers and, and, you know, you have more of a wing, but three guys that could play center for yeah. one guy who is good, but you need more depth than that. Yeah. So, yeah it was, that was interesting. Yeah. And your big rivals have what Iserman and Fedorov and Forsberg and Sackick. It's like, what? Yep. Yeah. I don't Adano know. And, and Neuendijk. Plus yeah. they added Turgeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I'm with you. I'm with you. So I won't ask you again because you're our blues fan. You're, it, it's kind of a unique. You're a unique person to have on the show uh, since we're talking Islanders mostly. But I want to talk to you. Obviously, he's a Blues fan. Uh, you know, we've mentioned a couple times Stanley Cup Championship 2019. Um, we're doing a segment here every single uh, uh, episode over the summer. I'm reading an email from somebody that, that talks about how um, how important this championship was for them, how they celebrated, uh, you know, how they became a hockey fan, whatever they want to talk about, called Keep the Party Going. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Uh, what did this championship mean to you? Oh, man. It, I mean, it, it really was everything. Um, it's just, I actually wrote something about it on Lighthouse Hockey for just to kind of explain to Islanders fans what it meant to St. Louis and uh, to guys who, in, well, I mean, everybody who had watched um, the team for, for years or decades or, you know. So, I mean, for me, my dad died uh, over 10 years ago, so, like, he didn't get to see it but you know of course my brother and I were thinking of him when it happened um we have a like our hockey team has an annual guys trip that often takes place during the Stanley Cup finals so we were all um at a in a like cottage watching um game five together when they when they pulled that win out everybody got back into the town for game six um several guys gathered for 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 game seven to to see the win and then met up at uh uh god obi clark's right like of course all these names yeah so met up there when they were celebrating (laughs) into the night um a bunch of us worked the parade together um so we got like an up close view of that and it's just i mean honestly like the high has not stopped for me um it's it was elation and it was relief for like we talked about earlier all those years where you're like god is this ever going to happen um so yeah no it's it, what we're at the end of july it's it's <laughs> it's been less than two months it, it still feels like it was yesterday um it, it's just you know i yeah it's one of those things you just you'll never forget um and you know you think about all the people you celebrated with which for me is just you know well, even friends checking in who, um, you know, who we haven't seen each other in a long time, but we used to go to games together. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I guess I'm mumbling about it because that's kind of what it, it makes you do. It makes you, you know, babble like a, <laughs> a little child. Yep. No, it's the same way for me. I mean, I I mean, I had friends from high school that I haven't talked to in 15 years that uh, were texting me that night and, and were, you know, hey, what are you doing? Where are you at? You know, and it's, yeah. I, I haven't seen you in 15 years and you want to hang out. You know, I mean, it's just, that's just how it was for, for so many people here in St. Louis. And you mentioned that you're still on a high from it. I thought it was funny. I I came home and told my wife about this uh, last weekend. I went out Saturday night and I was just at a bar with one of my friends and the bartender just says, all right, Hey everybody shots on the house to celebrate the blues winning the cup. And I'm like, that was two months ago. But we're still celebrating, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it's just been so much fun. And, and I think, uh, again, this, this party is going to keep going at least until, uh, the banners raised and, and maybe even through the season because, uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun. And I think, uh, it, it's been, it's just been so long that St. Louis has been waiting for something like this. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, this is uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I want to thank you again for coming on, Dominic. Always fun talking to you. Uh, again, I, I I think I can call you a friend of the show without uh, you taking offense. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to give everyone the opportunity to find out um, where they can read your stuff. Um, you know where they how they can interact with you on social media. Um, so we, you know our site is lighthousehockey.com. Um, it's one of the the SB Nation sites. And, um, my Twitter, Twitter handle is just LH hockey, um, at LH hockey is all. And, you know, that's, it's basically for, for Islander stuff, but I'll throw in the occasional, uh, blues or, or, or like these names that are intersected with both here and there. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, how many games do you make to a year? Um, you know, with kids, uh, not many. I'm a very much a TV watching uh, person right now. So or with young kids anyway, but so just a handful. Um, and in fact, like my trips to New York too have been um, slowed down <laughs> since having uh, small children who right. uh, don't travel well. But um, yeah, especially when the Blues and Islanders meet, I've I always try to make those games or someone else is usually saying, hey, you're coming to this one with me. You know, so. <laughs> um, how many games in Brooklyn have you seen? So I haven't been to Brooklyn yet, even still. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need to make sure I do it before they completely escape the building. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yeah, I mean, if any, if anyone, you know, is in the area for a game, like the Coliseum is where you want to catch a game. It's it's the closest thing I've I've felt to the old arena, for sure. It's just one of those, including like the fan atmosphere and the, um, and they have tailgating outside. So really, while, the, while that's still an opportunity, those are the games to catch. Awesome. Yep. Well, uh, Dominic, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. Well, I again want to thank Dominic for coming on, and I think you can see why I kept the party going later in the show. Uh, Twitter handles for the show. You can check us out. Uh, the full show Twitter at LGB Radio. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And then myself, Jeff Ponder, is at Ponder 94 Our next show will be another Behind Enemy Lines show. Monday, August 12th, we have Jay from the Avs Hockey Podcast. Come on. And, uh, yeah, live show last week was was a lot of fun, but uh, we are in the dog days of summer, folks. So, as you can probably tell from listening to the 200th episode, uh, not a lot of hockey to discuss as we kind of went off the wall. It was a little zany, that episode. Um, So we are uh, rolling out more of these Behind Enemy Lines episodes I hope you've been enjoying them. The feedback I've gotten has been great. I really appreciate everyone who's reached out. Uh, it means a lot to me that, that people are actually listening and enjoying this because, like I said at uh, the beginning of the, the 200th episode, this is fun. I'm enjoying it. Um, I wouldn't do it if I didn't, but uh, it is work. There is some work involved in getting this many shows out over the summer. So uh, it has been uh, it has been. Uh, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting summer to get all this, this content together for you and out the door and out to your iPods and Zunes. And, you know, I know that's what everybody uses to listen to podcasts nowadays. Uh, so, again, uh, thank you for everybody who has uh, has reached out and to those that will. I appreciate uh, every sentiment, every bit of feedback I've gotten on this. And uh, to know that you're listening has uh, made it all worth it. All the work that I've put into this completely worth it. Well, that will conclude this episode. I want to thank you for listening. And again, I want to thank Dominic, friend of the show, for coming on. And until next time, everyone, 
Let's go blues. Play Gloria all summer. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.